So, first of all, just a couple of housekeeping notes I've been asked to pass on. Um, partly to do with just various logistical things, uh, some requests to just in terms of the showers and the bathrooms being cleaned during the work period, the request not to uh, take showers during the work period if possible. And then some other notes just to do with the kind of ways of the, the way the silence together is an important support for the retreat, particularly actually because of the rather open form of the retreat. And so because you, you're not held so much by the schedule as if the bells were ringing you know, every 45 minutes for formal sitting and walking together, yeah, really helpful that you really let the silence hold you. Apart from inevitable, uh, unavoidable uh, expressions. So, um, and, and with that, on the one hand, I would say, just the, this kind of recognition of the, the gift, really, of silence to each other. And the way that by holding that with each other and for each other, we really kind of allow each other to kind of have what I was calling this morning this intimacy with experience. And the way the silence is really beautiful, potent support for that, even if at sometimes it can feel like a, an uncomfortable kind of support. So on the one hand, just keep quiet. It's as easy as that for your own benefit and for each other's benefit. And on the other hand, if you find yourself disturbed by something, by the fact that somebody, for whatever reason, is maybe out of dire necessity, who knows, is using their mobile phone, or that uh, something happens that... Appears to you as some kind of disturbance, etc. Then, what do you do with that? Do you make a drama out of it? Do you generate a lot of inner indignation about the he was talking about silence and now this person's doing this or that, etc.? Well, I would encourage you not to, not to invest in indignation and reactivity. So on the one hand, just keep quiet together. And on the other hand, if you find yourself feeling disturbed, I would put it to you that your own reactivity is much more disturbing to you than whatever the sound being produced. So, on the one hand, really supporting each other by uh, creating and honouring and uh, supporting uh, a kind of caring, simple, silent environment together. And on the other hand, kind of minding our own business. It's an interesting, we do, we, we, it's an interesting phrase. And we usually use it in a bit of a kind of rejecting way, mind your own business. It's actually quite a good meditation instruction. <laughs> Mind your own business. 
Take care of your own experience. Be responsible for your own reactivity. So, full day ahead of us. Day three. Kind of in the in what? In the depths of the retreat, we might say. In the womb of the retreat. Maybe to some of you it feels like the bowels of the retreat. <laughs> and over the over the days until now we've we've emphasized different elements of practice right this thread of kind of a continuity a momentum of practice the thread of intimacy running through the formal and informal parts of the day we've emphasized just presence embodied presence embellied presence emphasized a certain skill and refinement and consistency of using breath and body to really uh, ground attention, refine attention, deepen attention. We've emphasized the willingness just to be rather simple, gracious, graceful with your practice, just coming back and coming back, just establishing and re-establishing and re-establishing and re-establishing your attention without getting into a lot of drama about where mind went and why your mind went there and how long mind dwelt there. Then we've also emphasized this sense of being able to really attend to the, the touch of experience. I mentioned last night the natural fluid nature of experience. And then we also pointed out this attending to the flavor of experience. Get, really getting to know the pleasantness of pleasant experience. Really getting to know the unpleasantness of unpleasant experience. So as to study our reactivity. So as to really kind of uh, be in concert with the way experience appears. The, the, te- the habitual tendencies that we notice getting to know the patterning of our own minds and getting to taste the invitation of a certain non-reactivity. We've explored that thread of actually just uh, bearing witness to our own changing mind states. Happy mind or sad mind quiet mind or agitated mind mind colored by this or that emotion and so really with these different elements or threads of practice that we've introduced the encouragement today to practice in whatever way is helpful or skillful moment by moment that really depends on what the conditions are moment by moment. If mind is very dispersed, then a skillful way of practicing is just being very s- simple, 
just with that willingness to establish and re-establish. In those moments where there may be some real stability and brightness, and the willingness to actually come close to and investigate whatever's showing up. If one's confronted by some discomfort, physical discomfort, emotional discomfort, then the opportunity to let yourself, you know, let yourself enter the discomfort, taste the discomfort, get familiar with the discomfort, not in some kind of gung-ho way, not in some kind of masochistic way, but through that recognition that we learn something deep, important, transformative about ourselves, about the nature of experience, by being willing to tolerate our experience. by being willing to tolerate ourselves. Sometimes practice feels like that. I don't like the way my mind is particularly. I don't like the way body is or I don't like the way circumstances are. But there can be a great actual sense of a background ease and freedom in just being willing to tolerate it because it's like this. I didn't choose this mind state. I didn't choose body to be like this. But I can see that fork that I come to. Where the one choice is to fuss and freak out and fret. Fussing and freaking out and fretting. And on the other hand is the invitation to kind of to tolerate the discomfort, which has a feel of a certain graciousness to it, a feel of a certain confidence to it, that expanding comfort zone that we spoke about last night. Great sense of inner confidence that can grow in us as we recognize our capacity actually to meet what arises, to sit with what is. In Hermann Hesse's novel Siddhartha, you know, when Siddhartha comes back from the forest, those of you who are familiar with that book, and he decides to look for a job. And his employer says, well, what can you do? He says, I can sit, I can wait, and I can fast. When I read that, I was 18, I thought, that's the skill set I want to develop. Right. I was really, it was very inspiring for me. I was looking at university prospectuses, which weren't very inspiring for me. Right? Degree in business studies, degree in something else I don't even remember. And then I read Siddhartha, threw away the university prospectuses, went to India, went to learn to sit and wait. Wasn't so fussed about the fasting. <laughs> And it's really stayed with me, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, is it? No, it's more near 30 now than 20. And I was thinking about it just recently. And I, thought a slight refi- I would slightly refine the sit, wait, 
and fast. So I can sit, I can listen, and I can respond. That's the, that's the skill set we're developing. And where sit really means to meet experience, to make room for what's here. I can meet what arises. I can listen. I can actually open my senses to what's happening. I can extend that kind of open, generous, curious attention so as to really hear. I'm not talking about listening or hearing with the ears, but with the whole of us. So as to really hear what life is singing of, what life is expressing. And I can respond. Why that response, rather than being born of our kind of reactive, knee-jerk habits, is actually a response, a creative response, a caring response, a liberated response. So, we have to see what's going on in our experience in order to see how best to meet what what kind of thread or aspect of practice to most skillfully uh, engage moment by moment. Just establishing presence. Meeting the flavour of experience. Recognising the mind state of the moment. Often we're just sort of caught up in the mind state. So there's a mind state of doubt. We're just so caught up in the doubtful thoughts we don't recognise it. Oh, it's just doubt. Nothing wrong with it. We don't need to... But just the capacity to recognise, oh, this is what doubt is like. These are the kinds of thoughts doubt produces. This is the way doubt colours the experience. Knowing the doubt as doubt. Or the sense of restlessness that might arise. And when we're caught up with restlessness, just all kinds of ideas about what else I should do or might do, or where else I could be, or how long I'm going to sit for, or whatever. But the capacity to actually just recognise that mind state of restlessness, the slightly electric, jangly feel that it has. The way it's kind of... Um, sets off these sort of sparks that pull us towards some imaginary this or that, this or that. And the capacity to actually sit in the restlessness, meet the restlessness. Respond rather than react to the restlessness. So we might be working just with body and presence. We might be working with the pull and push of the pleasant or the unpleasant. You might be working with the, the, the comings and goings of various mind states and emotions. You might be working with just establishing and re-establishing a certain independence from all the various thoughts and ideas and images and dramas that are playing out. Letting them be background. And it's like this then, that 
the day can unfold for us, that our practice can unfold for us. In this spirit of sitting, listening and responding, moment by moment. presence and posture only feeling your way in to the naturalness of awareness the open invitation to be present right here like this the setting up of your posture in such a way as to activate these optimizing conditions stable posture for steady awareness upright posture for bright awareness open posture for receptive awareness relaxed posture for gentle awareness breath and body using the physical immediacy of experience to ground your attention using the depth of the belly center to be right here in in an embodied way an embellied way
meeting experience as it is. Seeing what's skillful moment by moment. Learning and learning and learning how to sit in the midst of life. How to listen deeply to life. And how to respond freely to this moment in life.
what's happening right now. Just noticing what's predominating in your experience. If it's just some vague wandering of the mind, just really noticing that, using the reminder to be rather gracious with it, just leaving it alone, re-establishing embodied attention. If it's some friction with an unpleasant thought or sensation or feeling. And see if you can really notice that friction. If you can let yourself tolerate the touch of the unpleasant. If you can grow the spaciousness of your awareness. If it's a moment of some peace or simplicity or ease, then letting yourself bathe in that ease. Letting yourself be held in the natural, simple unfolding of life. There's no wrong experience. And so whatever's arising right now, finding out the skillful way to meet it.
And there's a way to take care with the transition from the formality of meditation to a more inclusive, informal sense of practice and presence. Just letting the sphere of your attention widen. Sensing the whole gestalt of being here. Just the whole dance of bodily sensation. Whatever sense you have of the space around you. The natural flickering of sounds, thoughts. And as the bell rings, as you lift your gaze and adjust your posture, seeing if you can also just add seeing and movement to the open sphere of awareness. So that even as the formality of meditation ends, the continuity of practice remains. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.